Hi, I'm Kat. And I'm Emma. If you love the Dead Prank podcast, you can help support its future using the ACAST supporter feature. Now, it's up to you how much you give and there is no regular commitment. So if you can and you want to, please do hit the link in the show description to support now. Thank you. Thank you. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Listening to the Deborah Ankle Podcast, a podcast designed to open up the conversation surrounding grief and to ensure young grievers feel less alone. I'm Catherine Hooker, and I speak with young adults from all over the world whose lives have been impacted from losing a parent at a young age. The good, the bad, and the banter. My best friend who lost her mum said to me when my dad was ill and after he died, she was like, you just need to try and feel everything. And at the time I was like, that's such a bullshit thing to say. Like, what does that mean? Of course I feel everything. Like all I am doing is feeling everything. But it is just being kind to yourself and allowing things to feel that the way that they're going to feel and not trying to like push it down or suppress it. If you need to cry or if you need to like shout or if you need to just be normal or like just, you know, have some time on your own, just allow yourself to do it. And I think it does teach yourself like how to be kind to yourself a bit more and just it allows you to be more in tune with yourself and knowing what you need, which is like really incredible. A lot of people don't know that about themselves. Hey everybody and welcome to this week's episode of the Dead Parent Club podcast. On this week's episode we have Fran Hopkins. Fran is not only a member of the Dead Parent Club but also she established the Manchester Let's Talk About Loss group and now she runs it alongside her fab co-hosts. Fran's dad died around 18 months ago from cancer and it was just a short seven months after being diagnosed. After putting his health first and building strong and loving relationships with his family, this shock diagnosis robbed them of his retirement plans and the life he, his wife and his family had envisioned for the future. In this week's episode you will hear Fran tell her own story of her grief journey, where we not only discuss her dad's death and the aftermath but also how grief can manifest itself as a physical illness, her experience of Day of the Dead in Mexico and why she decided to set up her own grief group in Manchester. If you'd like to attend a Talk About Loss group or find out if there's one in your area head to the at Talk About Loss Instagram page or visit their website, www.letstalkaboutloss.org. Thank you so much, and I hope you enjoy this week's episode. Well, first of all, Fran, thank you so much for coming on to the Deprankle podcast. By the way, is it Fran or Francesca? What would you prefer? I don't mind. Either Francesca is a bit long-winded, isn't it? So I was going for Fran. (laughs) We can just just be friends already. Just be Fran. (laughs) Yeah, it's fine. (laughs) Ideal. Um, if you don't mind just kind of introducing yourself, where you're from, and then, yeah, we can get straight into it. Cool. I'm Fran. Uh, I live in Manchester, but I'm originally from London, and I work in television. You work in television? That's very vague. <laughs> uh, I work in sport. Ah, okay. That's cool. Do you enjoy it? <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's amazing. Um, I get to travel quite a lot. I know absolutely nothing about sport, which is why it's kind of one of those like running jokes in my family because they're just like, how did you get this job? I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> it's more you pick it up as you go along. So I didn't know very much about sport before I started. And now I just come out with all these facts and my brother's just like, where did that come from? And I'm like, I don't know. It's all <laughs> I'm a sponge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so are you like a presenter then or do you kind of do more of the oh behind God, the scenes? <laughs> like putting things together yeah I'm a production coordinator so I do logistics wow, that's great um yeah and work on a lot of live tv oh so. how exciting yeah it's good for you but I'm glad you enjoy your job that's always ideal <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I straight away went into my job it's just one of those things that when you introduce yourself you're almost like uh age location yeah. job I don't know <laughs> <laughs> do you remember when you're a kid and it'd be like um age sex location ASL 
Yeah, it's <laughs> the same kind of thing. I said that to someone the other day and no one knew what I was talking about. I was like, oh my God, am I old? <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? So we just passed that now. <laughs> no, we're definitely not. <laughs> not when you come to a podcast anyway. <laughs> Still very much valid. Um, well, if you don't mind basically kind of telling us why you're part of the Dead Parent Club, I suppose. Yeah, so I my dad died about 18 months ago now. He was diagnosed with cancer um liver cancer and then died about seven months later um which was that's a very short amount of time as well <laughs> yeah um I mean he he'd been an alcoholic for a while um and then he he stopped drinking which was amazing um and was so healthy and was like going to the gym every day and like honestly like never touched a drop again and that's amazing um, yeah it was incredible yeah incredible and then like four years later he got diagnosed with liver cancer which was really mm. shit <laughs> Um, but it was one of those things we were very grateful to have that time with him because you know like at that age as well when someone's been drinking when you get them back again it's four years it's kind of like forging a relationship with them so very grateful for that time um but yeah so we had kind of like liver problems but he'd been super healthy and had been really fit and eating really well and exercising loads and um it was a bit shit because my they my mom and dad both basically just kind of retired and um, they lived in London and they decided they were like going to sell their house and move to the seaside and they bought this house that was going to be their like project oh. and they loved traveling and planned all these trips and they were both just kind of they were like, getting on really like about well to live and, their life yeah exactly and especially when things were just starting to go well for everyone and it all just seemed to calm down um, and they were so like so cute and so in love <laughs> as well and I'd never really seen that growing up because I'd just seen like big yeah. things like when you're a kid um, and they were actually just like best mates so yeah it was really sad because they moved when my when they sold the house it was like December and um my my dad went into hospital because stuff started going wrong they didn't know it was cancer at that stage but we were like moving house at the same time so we came down my mum basically had to pack up the whole house on her own move in the snow and stuff Aww. down here knowing that her husband was in hospital so she did the whole move on her own which was um full on she's like superwoman yeah. um yeah then he got diagnosed in the January or just after so yeah it was literally just as they moved and I think um my mum had just moved down south and kind of moved away from all of her friends and family so it was quite it's quite full-on yeah but um yeah she seems to have kind of settled a bit now and she's she's like incredibly headstrong so has has she moved into that house that they were going to do up together then yeah so he lived here he moved back home after he came from um when he got released from hospital he came here so we had like seven months in this house. He actually died in the house as well. Where so. Where is the home? Um, uh, near Portsmouth. Oh, wow. So are you really close to the seaside there then? Yeah, literally like I can see the sea from my window wow. right now. It's amazing. Wow. <laughs> Which actually we kind of said at the time if we'd, we don't think he would have been around as long because if we were still living in London, like I'd not, I say we, I wasn't living there. Mm. I haven't lived at home since I was 18. <laughs> but um. If, I think if they'd still been in London I think he would have died a lot quicker I think being near the sea he always loved the sea and like looking at boats and he worked with boats um he just started a like a boat restoration course and um the historic dockyards in Portsmouth so that was what he was doing with his retirement that's amazing and he was so into it yeah yeah he loved it so I think having that to do and kind of he was ill and when he was going through chemotherapy and stuff he could still go for walks by the sea and even if he was too weak to go and go out for a walk he could still kind of sit and look at the sea so yeah yeah, I think it was the best thing that they could have done yeah definitely I mean it's horrible how like your body kind of your body takes count doesn't it like that's what I keep hearing from a lot of people now like it's so sad how you can kind of abuse it for so long but then you make that huge change then it you know something like that can happen it's just such a massive tragedy that must have been really hard for all of you. Yeah, I think the problem is with the liver is it's such like a gnarly organ anyway. So <laughs> we don't know how <laughs> Yeah, we don't know how long it had been there for because it's so like you can't really see it. If there's scarring and stuff, you don't know. Yeah. And for a long time they didn't tell us what it was. They just kept saying, Okay, it's a mass, but it's this size and I can't remember what they said, but they said it was such a massive mass size. I was like, Surely that's like the whole liver. Why are they not just saying the whole liver? So um yeah. It was it was quite weird and my dad just kind of took the piss out of me quite a lot because I came down like every single weekend from Manchester Mm, (laughs) Um, just because I just didn't I thought that was the right thing to do um but once I remember my mum went out of the room and he like took me to one side and he was like I'm not being funny but do you not have your own life or anything in Manchester (laughs) why are you here all the time like I love you but I really don't see you every weekend I was like oh 
Thank you. <laughs> Love you too. Um, yeah, exactly. That was affectionate from him. <laughs> was he diagnosed terminal straight away then? No, so yeah it, it's all a bit of a blur like he and they said pretty like straight away because I was like well surely I was like I could give a bit of my liver like the liver can regenerate and maybe we can get a donation or maybe you can have a transplant and they just kept saying no um which I think that was just because it was too far gone and I think with the liver when I was doing a bit of research into it afterwards if you I, don't, I might just be saying complete bullshit but <laughs> I think sometimes if you try and operate on it it can spread it further and it can actually be more dangerous if you try and like disrupt it or whatever that might not be true <laughs> but um yeah so they kind of said there wasn't very much they could do then they said there was like an experimental drug that they could um try but he needed to get his um blood levels up and he needed to he'd lost loads of weight when he was in hospital mm. so he needed to get up to a certain weight and everything and then I I so I had been working on the world cup in 2018 um, so I was meant to be out in Russia for six weeks and this was when it was all kind of just kicking off basically pun not intended but <laughs> um, and I remember saying to my dad I was like I don't think I should go because I could see it wasn't very good and I was like I don't I don't feel comfortable I think I should stay and he was like you've been working on this for pretty much two years he was like you're absolutely going I'm not Aww. I'm not having that so yeah it was a bit of a tough decision but my family like kind of said like you need to go it's a once in a lifetime opportunity like you're not gonna be able to spend six weeks in Moscow during a world cup again like you need to go (laughs) yeah exactly so I went and I kind of just kept in touch with them um like as much as I could but it was it was crazy busy out there and um yeah and like the towards the end of the world cup um he called me and he was like my blood's have gone up and my I've put on loads of weight and I've been exercising every day so they've told me that I'm eligible for this treatment which was like incredible and we're all so excited um and then he started on that when I came back um but yeah it just he'd been doing really well and he was really strong um and then that treatment he yeah it completely wiped him out Mm. and just I think it knocked him back massively Mm. so I think he was on it for like under a month I think in the end and I think that was one of those things that um he was he was not very sure about whether or not he wanted to try it because he was like I feel like I'm doing quite well and I'm quite strong and I feel quite like health not like healthy healthy but I feel better than I have long time um but I think also if he hadn't have tried it we'd always have that what if in our heads and think you can't win in these situations can you like there's always a you know what if like my my mum rejected chemo when she got her um part of her bowel removed and they were saying you know you should have this chemo because that'll kind of like kill off the rest of the cancer cells blah 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 kind of reduce transfer coming back she said no um for various reasons and then um and then yeah she got diagnosed terminal a few months later it just came back with a vengeance so it's one of them where like if she had chemo would that have stopped it from happening and yeah there's always so many choices people have to make when they get diagnosed with cancer that people don't really talk about very much if you haven't experienced that and it's kind of it's it's living it's living with that that what if isn't it all the time yeah I mean we kind of I'm not even I'm not really sure if he really wanted to try those drugs but I think we were like you need you need to try it because what if it will what if it will give you years? And I mean, I looked into it all and I was like, this is amazing. So apparently it can give people like an extra year, an extra two years. And my mum was like, just don't get your hopes up on it. And I think, yeah, we kind of put a lot on it. Well, you do, don't you? Like, you know, you would. They're, they're your life, aren't they? Your parent. You want them to survive yeah. as long as possible. Yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, it was. that was a difficult time because he also, he was quite depressed as well. Mm-hmm. So I think when it just... I think when it, yeah, when it knocks out of you, you know, it's not working. And that's when I think it was difficult having me and my brother around because it was one of those things like he wanted to spend time with us. But then at the same time, it's my mum said, like, it's reminding him of what he's missing out on yeah. at some point. Yeah. So, so yeah. your heart breaks, like, not just not just for yourself, but for them, doesn't it? Like, I think I think that's what now kind of, because my mum died four and a half years ago. Like, now for me, what upsets me more than anything is, like, thinking about what the, all the things that she's missing I think that's one of the hard, mm-hmm. hardest things to kind of have to cope with when absolutely I had to stop myself thinking that at the time which sounds quite like selfish but it just I couldn't deal with the idea of trying to work out what he was going through yeah. so I was like I can't and one of my friends said like you need to stop torturing yourself because you're not going to be able to put yourself in their shoes so just try and try and just like you know be there for them and try and be supportive and try and do everything that you would want someone to do for you Mm -hmm. and it was it was funny because um my mum kept saying that she felt guilty because she was like oh you know I snapped at him today and you didn't deserve it and I was like no stop tiptoeing around him like if he's being a cock he's being a cock (laughs) you tell him (laughs) 
yeah, <laughs> like don't tiptoe around him because he was also such like a strong, proud, like sarcastic man, like just loves taking the piss out of everyone and playing jokes on everyone that he'd hate it if everyone started like talking to him like a baby. Yeah. And like, you know, trying to force feed. I mean, we were trying to force feed him because he wasn't eating. <laughs> so that was like for the baby. And he'd be like, you need to eat this. Just, I'm not leaving. I'm going to watch you eat it. And he'd be like, fuck off. And he'd be like, I will throw it unless you eat it. Um, but yeah, it was, it was um, we were very lucky to have that time, even if it was like seven months because, um, it was yeah it was kind of bittersweet I talked to my my best friend lost her mum which was really sudden um when she was a lot younger or we were kind of like early 20s when it happened so it was kind of looking back at it now I'm like oh god I could have supported her so much better now that I know what I know but that's you're never gonna know that are you at the time until you've been through it you can't relate to it um but I spoke to her at the time and I said like I'm really really terrified that I'm going to not have a conversation with my dad that I feel like I need to have or need to like have these deeper meaningfuls and something that in like 10 years time I'm going to like really want an answer to that question I'm going to regret not asking him that if you know what I mean um so I said like you know if you could talk to your mom about anything what what would it be and she was like I need to have a think about it and she came back to me like a couple of days later and said honestly you're never going to have the conversations that you feel like mm. you need to have you're always gonna you're always going to like be thinking about something that you wish you'd asked but also the answers are probably already like within you yeah that sounds no, that's, so cheesy. No, that's so true yeah. that's so true <laughs> in a certain way like you're gonna have a lot of their personalities a lot of their morals in you anyway yeah. but she said the only thing that she wishes she could ask her mom is that she always used to tell this really stupid joke and she can't remember the punchline that's, <laughs> that's it <hilarious. laughs> so um I get that because me and my mum actually she refused to believe that she was gonna die so we actually never had those conversations like even right, right up until she was put on a syringe driver in the last like four days of her life. She was like, one of the last things she said to me was, I'm just going to go to sleep for a bit and I'm just going to get some energy and then hopefully I'll be fine for Christmas. <laughs> and, oh, that must have been really difficult. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it was hard and it's hard, you know, you kind of wish you could have had those conversations. But then like your friend said, what would those conversations have been like really? Because you kind of want them for selfish reasons. Like, I want I would have wanted her to tell me that she was proud of me and I would have I would have wanted to tell her that I loved her and all that kind of stuff but hopefully she already knew that and I'm hoping yeah you know, it's it's really yeah it's hard yeah absolutely and I don't know about your mum my dad was like he wasn't he was affectionate but like in his own way he wasn't very like outwardly affectionate <laughs> lovey <wouldn't>. dovey <laughs> yeah it's like he was a very stoic Irish man so like he was very yeah um so I think even if I wanted to have those conversations it wasn't really in our relationship to have conversations like that we didn't really have deep chats mm. like you just we mainly spent most of our time taking the piss out of each other <laughs> or bickering that which is love <laughs> yeah exactly so yeah I always I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to have those conversations but I didn't really um I remember my mum did have a conversation with him about funerals and stuff mm. just because she was like it's so awful but she was like I need to just do it and just need to go and speak to him so I think we were quite grateful about having that kind of conversation but yeah like no, it's, knowing it's, that you did something that he wanted yeah it's so difficult though because you don't really want to talk to someone about like you know when you're gone kind of things yeah. it's just a bit you don't want to be acting like defeated but also you know that it's coming it's, it's so difficult <laughs> it is like death is just like knowing that somebody is going to die is just full of minefields isn't it and that those kind of few months are so strange like yeah that's kind of what I feel like this current feeling is like for me like with everything that's going on at the moment I've got a heavy heart because I know that so much like bad stuff is happening that I can't control and it's kind of similar to how I felt in the months leading up to my mum's death like I had this like heaviness mm. all the time um yeah and that kind of is a proper word isn't it yeah yeah it's it's really strange and um I do feel like you know, what we were talking about before we started recording is that like this is people's experiences of like a little bit of grief like an insight into what it's like not just yeah not just afterwards but also um anticipatory grief so like kind of grieving that person or that thing before it's actually happened yeah exactly and the feeling of feeling like completely terrified and out of control mm. and isolated as well it's all very relatable yeah massively and like yeah when when someone close to you dies as well you feel very alone like the people around you don't understand or like people check in 
as soon as it's happened, they're like all over you, like, are you okay, are you okay? And then a few months down the line, there's nothing. And I, yeah. that was one of the hardest things I think you have to cope with as well, is that everybody's life around you carries on as normal, whilst yours mm. just kind of stops. And like, you always wish after that happens that your life would stop and be put on hold, but that's kind of like what this feels like now, isn't it? Like, you kind of like, yeah, wish exactly. that this would have happened after your uh, loved one died, because then everyone else would know how it felt <laughs> yeah exactly and as soon as someone dies you do feel like right well the world's just stopped now the world stopped for a few months so yeah. I need to get my head around this and I can't really cope with it and so it is it's kind of yeah I know exactly how you feel <laughs> it's it's crazy like who did you turn to then after your dad passed away and um, was it family or did it end up being kind of like friends yeah I mean I became re- I mean we've always been quite a close family anyway um I say that like we We've had our ups and downs and things, um, but yeah, I think we became a lot closer when dad was ill, especially because it was just me, my mum and my uh, brother and like kind of looking after him. And my nana was around as well. Um, I lost my, my nana was like my mum, basically. I was incredibly close with her and she she died uh, a few months ago. So it was like literally a few weeks before the one year anniversary of my dad dying. She had an accident was and that, died. So that was... Is that your mum's mum or your dad's mum? My mum's mum yeah and she kind of like helped to raise us as well so um yeah that was like losing two very important people to me within a year like losing like almost like a second parent Mm. such a shit year (laughs) Um, so shit yeah you're like anything else right right up until your (laughs) 30s as well like damn yeah exactly and then straight after my like literally like a few weeks after my 30th birthday I got diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis (laughs) what is is that sorry if you don't want me asking no, so no, I didn't know either. Um, it's basically when it's an autoimmune disease. So um, I'm saying it because it's kind of linked to this in a way. Yeah. Um, it's when your immune system starts attacking your joints, oh, God. like something's gone wrong with it. Yeah. Um, but when I started looking into it, because they kept asking me, like, you know, have you been ill? Um, like, did you have tonsillitis or like, you know, kidney infection or a chest infection? Like usually something will trigger it. And I started looking into it because I was like, no, I've been pretty healthy. And then I was thinking actually after the year that I've just had of watching two people, mm. like two of my immediate family members die, um, there's a lot of research into it being linked to trauma. Yeah. Um, because when, like you know yourself, like when your mum died, like you're just, your body is just absolutely exhausted yeah. and you feel like, yeah, at the time you think you're doing okay. And then, yeah, obviously, <laughs> it's obviously <so> not. It's <laughs> so debilitating. <laughs> Yeah, I just completely exhaust you. Yeah. So yeah, it was just one of those things. It was just one of those years where I was like, "Cool, three bad things, <laughs> no more now." <laughs> oh God. <laughs> oh, um, so yeah, obviously, that puts you at a big risk for what's happening at the moment. Then with the um, coronavirus. Yeah, someone immune suppressants, but I'm still I'm young and I'm pretty healthy and stuff. Like I'm quite active, so um I'm like high risk but lower high risk. Yeah. So I've been getting my head around that again as well. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, have you? Um, how do you? Are you quite protective over your mum at the moment with everything that's going on? Oh yeah, massively. Mm-hmm. I think that's why me and my brother are both saying that's why we both kind of came home. Yeah, like it was. We kind of said to my mum, like, "Oh, you know, so we can be by the sea and uh, <laughs> we like, have one have a parent left." <laughs> yeah, exactly. And actually, it was just like, no, we want to just keep an eye on yeah. both of you and like my brother and my mum to make sure that no one else dies. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. not again. <laughs> I'm I'm exactly the same. Like for the last couple of years, I've just done my dad's head in, like with everything that he eats, exercise. Then at the moment, I'm like, no, I'm doing all of your food shopping. Like you can go out and exercise, that's fine, but like you are not doing any unnecessary trips. He's got a really bad habit. He goes to the cop every day usually to get his food. He doesn't just do a weekly shop, and it drives me mad. So I'd be terrified. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. So like. So now I'm like, yeah, you you can't go to the co-op anymore. You we're doing one shop a week. You need to get your shit together, <laughs> make a food list, and figure yeah. out what you're going to eat. And he's like, but but if I need something, I can just go to the co-op. And we're like, no, <laughs> no, you can't. My brother's become exactly the same. He's like, you're not going out. Neither of you are going out. You're both high risk. And my mum's like, fuck off. I'm not high risk. He's like, yes, you are, because she's like nearly sixty, so she's getting really offended because she's not <laughs> in that age bracket. But my brother's like, I'm looking after you. Just let me look after you. <laughs> but she keeps trying to sneak out and I just hear my brother being like get back inside <laughs> it's like the roles are reversed so much isn't it it's like when you were a teenager and your parents wouldn't let you out of the house and now it's like, <laughs> like yeah, exactly. parent not to. 
I went off on a tangent and I just realized because you asked me who I turned to. Yep. And then I Sorry, went off. Yeah. On <laughs> we don't no, no, no. <laughs> That's the story of my life. I'm constantly going off on tangents. <laughs> um that's what I was gonna say actually is the like this is why podcasts are so important because I think one of my main sources of comfort when my dad was ill was Griefcast. Yeah. Which um my amazing friend Sam got me onto and she actually like emailed Carrie Ad Lloyd and said, This is a situation, I don't know how to support my friend. Um, what can I do to help her? Which oh, wow. still means so much to me that she did that. Yeah, I was completely overwhelmed. Um, and she said you should get to listen to my podcast and get to listen to the probably the first one with Adam Buxton. Mm. So that was the first one that I listened to. And um, just listening to him talking about his dad, I think especially talking about um, like act- watching someone actually die. Because I think we don't obviously talk about that. Yeah, um, and it's the first. I don't, were you with your mum? Yeah, yeah. That, yeah, it, the months, we don't talk about it. No, the, the months after my mum died, literally that moment like haunted me like I yeah it was kind of like you know you have those um intrusive thoughts um that would be one of the main ones constant and oh it's mm. awful like people think that people dying is really peaceful and nice but <laughs> it's not <laughs> no it's yeah it's not at all how you see in the film no. and it, it is <laughs> a long ass process like it is not like they're talking they're fine they take a long deep breath and then that's it like <laughs> Yeah, okay. exactly no not at all I mean we were quite lucky in the sense that my dad's my dad pretty much um like I'd, I'd stayed over at a friend's house the night before because I came down and kind of moved in with my mum and dad for a bit and I kind of said to work I was like I just I need to be at home and they were absolutely amazing like I'm so grateful that I work where I work and they basically just said like take what you need and this this is not important like go and be with your family and um yeah I went and stayed with a friend's house just just because I needed a bit of space you know when you're around it so much I was like I just need to go and kind of just be around some normality for yeah. a and I came home uh, in the morning and I went and gave him a hug and said hello and he was really confused and a bit kind of out of it um and I gave him a hug and then went we had a shower and stuff came back like 10 minutes later and he just he was in a coma basically or I don't think he was in a coma he was just unconscious yeah um and he just kind of didn't wake up from they that. Like, but... They like die before they die, don't they? Like, yeah, it's so strange. I mean, cancer is so disgusting. Like, it's such a like a horrible way to go because it is just so. Like, you literally see someone just wasting away yeah. in front of your it's eyes. Dehumanizing, it's isn't it? Yeah, it's awful. Um, but yeah, we don't really talk about those moments. I think listening to that podcast and listening to like him talk quite bluntly about like the noises that they make oh, and the, how the death like, rattle oh my god yeah it's horrible I've got a really weird like spiritual <laughs> story about this actually um and I said it's some people and some people are just like yeah bullshit and I'm like no this genuinely happened <laughs> and it kind of depends what you like believe I think yeah but I'm quite spiritual anyway but we'd been we knew that it was um bad because he kind of said to us he was like look I'm he'd come downstairs and kind of sit by the sea and stuff for like it'd be like a few hours a day and it went down slowly and slowly and he kind of said to us he was like look when I when I stop coming downstairs that's when it's kind of game over so I'm just telling you that I'll keep coming down for as long as I can Mm -hmm. and so for about a week he had kind of stopped coming downstairs and um I remember the nurse came around and um kind of said like it's it's not good it's kind of days now um, so I called my brother and I was like, you need, he was still in London, still working. Like his, I don't think his work had been as generous as mine and he was still having to work oh, through all of this. Which, yeah. Yeah. It's mad. So I called him and he was in a meeting and he stepped, he said, can I call you back? I was like, nope. And, uh, he had to step out of the meeting and I said like, you need to just like drive safely, but get down here as soon as you can kind of thing. And he just pretty much didn't go back into the meeting and just got in his car and drove. Nice. <laughs> so, Legend. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. But I was thinking they'll still be in that meeting room waiting, being like, is he coming back? (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so we had like a couple of days kind of sitting around him and um, we just kind of tried to make light of it. That sounds really bad. Not like make light of it. We weren't like like drawing penises on his face while he was asleep. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But we were kind of like trying to chat and stuff and we like ordered pizza and drank wine and watched films and just kind of because I think you can still it'll still be able to hear so we wanted to kind of keep the noise around him yeah um 
And when it happened, I said to my mum, I was like, you know, the first night I was like, I can sleep on the floor if you want. And she was like, no, you go, you go to bed. Like everyone's shattered. Um, if anything happens, I'll come and wake you up. Mm. And then nothing happened on the first night. And then the second night, um, it was kind of like a long process, not a long process. A few days isn't a long it, process. It, it, feels, it feels like a lifetime. It feels forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So on the second day, I think I went to bed at like midnight and um we'd had carers coming around from like a local hospice charity because um obviously you know with like NHS nurses they'll come around and kind of check but a couple of times during the day and then on the night you have no kind of support yeah we had um, we had a Marie Curie nurse around for one night because my mum my mum held on for five days right (laughs) we're all just like so on like the third or fourth night all of us went to bed and we had a Marie Curie nurse around um for a few hours during the night but yeah they're the most incredible people ever mm-hmm. like I just what a job every time I, came in, I was just like I just want to kiss your face you're incredible <laughs> um they're just amazing people like I think about them all the time I'm just like that job like because you're there looking after the person but also you're there looking after the family Literally. as well so I think it's kind of like I, it's not the same but the only thing I compare it to is like when people bring home a newborn baby but way more sinister you're left with this person that's dying and they're making all these noises and you're like oh my god is that normal do I need to do something are they okay am I okay what the fuck's going on (laughs) it must it must be um so emotionally taxing but the one of the nurses that came over quite a lot um actually came to my mum's funeral which was just like they don't have to do that you know it's it's amazing they're such incredible people but we, um, because they've moved into this new house, um, the only people that used the doorbell were those nurses. Mm. Um, and so I went to bed at like midnight and I heard the doorbell go at about three o'clock in the morning and I just got up and it was such like a vivid noise and it's not something that's familiar because I only associated it with the nurses because no one else used the doorbell. So I went downstairs and opened the door and there was no one there. Wow. So I was like, that's really, that's really weird. Shut the door and I kind of on my way back upstairs, I went and kind of put my head through the door and um just to check on my dad's and I could hear his breathing had gone a bit funny and it wasn't quite mm. like the death rattle but it just sounded a bit weird and I just kind of thought to myself I was like oh maybe it's just what he sounds like at this time of night or whatever and I went back to bed and I was lying there like for about a minute and I thought no actually it doesn't sound right I'm just going to go and sit in there just in case and as I was getting up and putting a jumper on my mum came and knocked on the door and she was like I think it's happening um so when I got my brother and he literally died like 15 minutes later oh she's like that doorbell was like that's so strange isn't it so weird and I think my mum always said to me afterwards she was like I think you whatever you heard I think if you hadn't have come and opened the door and like let that bit of light in I think we all would have slept through it yeah so whatever it was something something woke me up it was really weird it was so vivid as well yeah I think that's the only time I'd ever told my mum to fuck off which sounds awful because her husband had just died but <laughs> she she turned to me and she went oh maybe it was an angel coming to get him <laughs> I am actually like I'm, I'm a massive believer in stuff like that um yeah and I think those are kind of things that you have to hold on to um I haven't spoken about this a lot on this podcast to be fair but something really similar happened to me so like like I said my mum held on for like five days it was long and like she had like the death rattle for like three days and that kind of it echoed yeah. it echoed for like the whole house like it was constant and it was actually when she was closer to dying that that eased a little bit um but we had like loads of family around there must have been like 12 of us whatever in the house and my house is kind of like it's obviously a square shape but it's like a u living shape and with like the kitchen that in the front well in the back of the house there's like a little square room it's like the snug room but it has um doors the conservatory doors that go into the back garden and my mum was in there on a bed and there were like two chairs in there and then there's but two doors on the right of that that go into the living room and um it, we'd all been around my mum constant like a similar situation to you were like we just thought it was really important to constantly be around them talking and like yeah you know just being active and um it, my mum's mum mim she went to go and get everybody a coffee and it was the first time that like everybody kind of left that room and went into the living room to have a drink and just my dad stayed and we had like my parents were um well, they're, they're really strong Christians and we had like these like 100 hymns playing in the background and they've been on repeat for like three days at this point just like continuously playing and um Have you listened to hymns? the hymn this wasn't one hymn it was, yeah. it, it was like 100 hymns like on repeat 
Just... We do that. They don't. We had a playlist that was going over and over again, and I can't listen to any of those songs anymore because they just remind me of like going slightly stir crazy. <laughs> like just that music. But the, sorry, the, there's only the one song because um. So my dad went to like take take his cup of coffee off the side, and then he was like, "Oh no, I won't. I'll just have, I'll just take a moment to like give her a hug because he hadn't been on his own on his own with her for like days." And um, mm. and I sat on the sofa looking into that room. And my mum's favourite hymn came on. It's called How Great Thou Art. And mm-hmm. as her favourite hymn came on, my dad was giving her a hug. And that's when she took her, like, she took her last breath at that moment. Oh it, it was just so strange how like she died when my dad was just in there with her. We were all together in a separate room and her favourite hymn was on. And it just felt like I've, I, that was probably the most peaceful moment for like a split second until I realized that she was dead then I was like <laughs> like yeah exactly just like went like felt like my like heart ripped in two but um I I, I think that that ha- must happen for a lot of people I know that another girl that's been on here called Amber um she went to see her mum after she died and like the uh, like the sun kind of moved just right in, in the hospital and a huge stream of light just like came into the room and like it's just mm-hmm. little things like that I think can mean so much to people yeah absolutely and I think people I think there is like some research and things into people like hold on for certain moments as well yeah. and they know when it feels right for them even if you think they don't have any control over it it's like you can hold on for a certain amount of time and people will be waiting for something yeah like you don't know what it is I'm almost just like thank god like everyone's finally left me alone for a minute yeah my head's in peace yeah (laughs) and then she probably like had a cuddle and was like ah hold up what was that Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Oh, that's really beautiful, though. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty, it's special, but it's pretty traumatic, isn't it, Christ? I know. It, it is like the only way. I didn't really think about it like that until one of my really good friends um, said it. And he was like, yeah, you know, you've been through like a trauma. And it was the only time that I'd ever thought of it as a trauma. And as soon as I started thinking about it like that, because I was thinking like, oh, trauma is like growing up in a war zone or something or, you know, seeing someone being murdered or something. Like, you know, I didn't really think it was as extreme as being a trauma but then I thought about it and I was like no actually that is pretty traumatic yeah and as soon as I started thinking about it like that I think it kind of gave me the permission to feel a lot of the way that I felt yeah. which sounds weird yeah but that's um it's one of the things that I've actually only learned recently is how many people um who have lost a parent actually suffer from PTSD like yeah and you would never really think of it being PTSD before because you relate that with like people that have been to war and all that kind of thing yeah like soldiers and things yeah, yeah. but it's so true like I, I actually put it on my story a few months ago and I had so many people responding to me like yeah my doctor like has diagnosed me with PTSD and blah 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 and I was like wow like it's such a real thing <laughs> yeah completely and that's why I was so interested with the um rheumatoid arthritis to, uh diagnosis as well because I was just kind of I really wanted to like explain to people and anyone that's like going through it I'm like be kind to yourself and be like you know your body is going through a lot of stress in that period like Mm. up to it and then afterwards and um your body is really really affected by stress and your immune system is affected by stress so it's just trying to be aware of it I think because I was completely like blown away that the two things could be linked but actually it makes a lot of sense now that I've done a bit of reading into it yeah 100 percent, I agree one I should say one of the things that we haven't got into is obviously how you're the host of the let's talk about lost group in Manchester yeah <laughs> I was having a rant about this the one before we started <laughs> <building>. <laughs> which I think is just like it's 
I don't know, it, it's so important. It's amazing that you can host a group like that because it comes with comes with a lot of pressure, doesn't it? Because you're hosting a space where there's a there's a lot of emotion. I mean, I mean, I've never I've never been to one, and I imagine you know I I know as a griever that they're not doom and gloom because <laughs> obviously like, no. like like with this podcast, like I know that it's not all doom and gloom, and you can have so much fun. And it, this must be such open spaces, but like, how did you get into that? Like, what kind of gave you the push to be like, right, I'm going to like, I'm going to set up one of these. Obviously, that's part of a wider community, isn't it? So what pushed yeah. you to set up one in Manchester? I think it's similar to you starting this podcast. I think like when you've been through this, you when you've been through like watching close family members die and stuff, you get this kind of it's not like I say it's all like a superpower sounds really weird but you're kind of like I know I've seen like I've seen like the most scary thing that can possibly happen Mm. and I want to be able to like help other people and you're kind of like this can't just be the end of this because there's so much information I need to kind of share with people about this and so much support I want to give people um and I mean I had like the best group of friends ever and like sadly a lot of them have lost people as well so um but I never really used use them that sounds really horrible I I meant I never really like spoke to them very much at the time because I kept thinking I don't want to upset them I don't want to bring it all back up for them they probably don't want to talk about it but actually now that I've been through it I'm like no I want to talk about it I want to tell you what to expect and what helped me and what's not helpful and laugh about the things that like the stupid things people will say and the stupid thoughts you'll have and like you know I think talking about it is the most um like comforting thing um and I was saying to you before, I, I tried like um, traditional counselling and it didn't really click with me. Mm. Um, mainly because I don't really, I mean, contrary to this, I don't really like talking that much. <laughs> um, <laughs> now I'm like, try and shut me up. It's not going to happen. <laughs> um, but I just found I like, would rather listen to people. And um, that's when I got into Griefcast. I found that listening to people talking about their experiences was so much more comforting because I couldn't actually explain a lot of the time what I was feeling and that made me feel really like lonely and isolated. Mm. Um, so yeah, listening to the people talking about it and being able to vocalize a feeling that you've not been able to, or just having a different point of view and saying something that will really resonate with you or will make you laugh is just so important. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the groups are amazing. Um, I've got a couple of co-hosts as well who are incredible and I've just met so many good people through it. Um, it's still kind of in its infancy so we've not done loads of them, but they're getting bigger and bigger every time we do them. And it's such a, a varied group, but it is, I'm pretty overwhelmed by it <laughs> a lot of the time. And you kind of almost feel, I've spoken to a lot of other people that, um, you know, run Instagram accounts or things like that. And you kind of have this weird, almost like selfish feeling where you're like, no, but I'm getting so much joy from this. that This, this isn't right. <laughs> <laughs> I should be uh, helping you, whatever. But um, yeah, it's just like we we meet up and like go for a few beers or go and play like mini golf or we went to um we went and did like digital darts and things and it's just like it's just like a group of friends that you don't you know you're just chatting about anything and everything and we don't sit and talk really in depth about grief or who we've lost but it's just knowing that if you want to have a rant because someone said something stupid to you or like mm. a cousin pissing you off or whatever you can talk about it without having to like, do that yeah. thing that I think a lot of it is apologize and yeah. go sorry that's really cool we don't have to talk about that it's cool <laughs> and that I think is literally the most powerful thing is like being able to talk about it without any apologies it's like, yeah it's like the, the, I love I love doing this podcast because I don't feel like I'm talking to strangers whenever I'm recording with anybody because you've just got that mutual understanding straight away and like yeah completely it, it is so nice and yeah just being able to talk without any apologies is just <laughs> the best thing because no matter how close you are to somebody like if I broke down crying in front of my boyfriend about something which I don't do very often I try and keep my kind of emotional things to myself which again is quite funny considering I do this podcast but um I <laughs> no I know <laughs> I straight away would be like sorry sorry like you don't you don't want to see this you don't want to hear it you don't want to hear this but if I broke down crying in front of like you even though I hardly know you you just be like yeah I get it it's so shit <laughs> and I'm yeah. just like, no. no I know and you're just like let it out yeah <laughs> it's absolutely there was um, one girl that came to it and she started talking 
to me just kind of like to the side when we were like waiting for her to play darts and she started talking about who she'd lost and she started crying and she was like I'm so sorry and I was like right you can cut that out right now because <laughs> like you're literally at a grief group like let it out it's absolutely fine like you're not it's not with like normal people not normal you know what I mean yeah it's not like you're allowed to cry. Superhero, aren't we? So. <laughs> we'll take it and you'll be laughing in like 30 seconds time so yeah. it's fine yeah no, I think the rise the rise of these grief groups is amazing. And like I said before, like I am buzzing that you host one in Manchester because there there really isn't many up in this end of the country at all. There's so many in London. Yeah. Um, They're very London central, can't they? It's a shame. Yeah, yeah. I think it's because it's so hard to get transportation around <laughs> the north. Like it's so yeah. <laughs> you can you'll you'll people in London will travel an hour to get somewhere, and it'd be like no problem, but up north it's like an hour to go somewhere like you joking (laughs) I'm not gonna do that I shot myself in the foot with one of the guys that comes to the Manchester group because um when I got involved it was probably about nine months ago I got involved with let's talk about loss and I was trying to set it up on my own and like I said like now I've got a couple of co-hosts who are great um but I was talking to him and like since since I've started there's I think something new like 12 more groups have started like since in within the space that I started when there was like four so it's it's like spreading and it's amazing like there are so many more groups popping up and I'm meeting loads of amazing co-hosts from like all over the country um but one's opened up in Leeds and one of the guys that comes to our group was like traveling all the time from Leeds to Manchester which like I was so flattered by and I said to him I was like you know Leeds groups just started and he was like no way and I was like no shit no keep coming yeah. here like damn it <laughs> I don't I don't want to keep you. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but no, now he's just got more options. He can go to two. But um, yeah, they're they're amazing and not really. I was um, I read an article about someone else who hosts Greek group Greek groups in London, and I just remember reading a bit where she said like people around you don't know what sort of group it is they don't know if it's like some sort of weird like stag hen party or if you're just like a group of colleagues or what it is because we say grief group you imagine people are going to be like sitting around weeping it's like no we don't (laughs) if we want to do that we can but we're actually really fun yeah we're just going to be looking at good dogs and having a pint really (laughs) and just talking shit (laughs) it's just like a, a safe space and you know that you can talk if you want to but you don't necessarily have to but um yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I for one, I'm definitely going to try and push away my northern thing of like, I'm not going to travel like 50 minutes to go somewhere and I'm actually going to come to talk yeah, about one because, you know, I've been kind of looking, I wasn't actually aware that there was one in Manchester, obviously, until you reached out, um, which is fab and not too far away from me. So yeah, I'm, you can count me in. Any Anybody else that's from the kind of yeah, Manchester area that's listening? We can get all go together, which would be nice. Yeah. And over the summer as well, I don't know when this is obviously going to end, but we wanted to start doing more stuff where it was kind of like going for walks and things. Yes, I'm a big fan of that. Yeah. Oh, it's just like the best thing to do, just getting out and chatting in small groups mm. and getting out and having some fresh air. With and... the pub lunch afterwards. Yeah, that's essential, yeah. obviously. Oh, that'd be a dream. <laughs> I'm so game for that. Yeah, we do something in the middle. But yeah, no, they're, they're incredible. And Beth, who's the founder, is amazing. Like, like as, as you are do you know what I mean I think anyone that starts these sort of um groups is just incredible <laughs> I mean it, it's it's been amazing to watch the whole community kind of grow really in the last kind of like year and a half since um I set up this podcast I've just like on Instagram there's just been so many more um like accounts and stuff popping up and I think now more than ever yeah. it's important that kind of grief communities are accessible to people so hopefully there's a little bit more support out there now than there ever has been which is you know absolutely so is it still quite a new thing though because I mean I obviously only started looking into it in over the last like 18 months Mm. yeah like when when I set up this podcast there like think about podcast wise there was literally only like the grief cast before um and with regards to like grief accounts and stuff there really weren't many of them either and if they if there were they were very small um whereas now obviously there's just yeah there's loads <laughs> like there's so much choice and um I think obviously the difference about this one is um this is very specific with like dead parent grief yeah. obviously um but yeah there's so many just kind of like general grief accounts so anybody that's also like a sister or a cousin friends or anything there's so much support now and yeah loads more than there ever has been so it's amazing yeah it is, it is incredible and um I'm, I'm all for people starting to talk about it more um just after 
So for about the one year anniversary, um, me and my best, my, one of my best friends, Sam, the one that got me onto Griefcast, um, wanted to go to Mexico and she wanted to go for Day of the Dead. And I've always wanted to do it. So we're in the pub one night and she was like, I don't suppose just you want to come with me? And I was like, oh my God, of course <laughs> I want to come with you. And it was one of those like spontaneous things that we booked it and then went a couple of months later. And um, it was just possible, like just one of the most amazing experiences of my life. Um, and it came just after my nana died as well mm-hmm. but near the one year anniversary of losing my dad so it felt very like poignant to be going and seeing how they celebrate life yeah. and um, the way that they're as like a like as a community the way that they deal with grief was just like incredible and I just I could not get my head around why the rest of the world don't do it because I thought it was so beautiful I was so completely overwhelmed by it all <laughs> it was yeah I, just, I still don't think I've actually got the words to describe it, but I'm like anyone that has been bereaved should try and go there at least once in their lives because it just completely changed the way I think about it. Oh, wow. Okay. I'd be so intrigued. It was amazing. Like, well, you go to, it sounds really strange because we went and did like a tour because we wanted to go to this one big cemetery, which sounds really morbid, but obviously the whole idea is that you have this one day where you go and like celebrate your loved ones um, who have died and they put they drink all their favorite drinks and play all their favorite music and like decorate the graves and everyone goes around the graves and like parties basically. Oh, wow. um, yeah. And it was, it was, and they have parades and big events and they decorate like all their cities and stuff. And there's big colorful flowers and bunting. And it's just like a carnival atmosphere. Um, and we went, the tour guide took us to um, like his family's cemetery and he was like, just, you know, wander around, ask any questions. It sounds so morbid. I'm not. No, like... it, no it, it doesn't. It sounds interesting. <laughs> Don't worry. <laughs> I know, but I explain it to people and they're like, you went to a graveyard for fun. I was like, it's day of the dead. It's, it's the culture. Um, but they have like mariachi bands and stuff. So you'd play the mariachi bands and you'd have all their family sitting around the graves and they'd play their favorite songs and they'd all be drinking and eating their favorite food. And, you know, like it was amazing. And little kids running around with their faces done as like sugar skulls and things. Um, yeah, it was just incredible. And I think one of the most like vivid things I saw was um, a little girl who was like dressed up and she was lying next to one of the graves and she was just playing on an iPad because it was just so normal to her. Like she's not scared of death at all. Yeah. And it's just a completely normal thing. And it's not like it has to be an anniversary. It's not like the, a birthday or the day that the mm-hmm. person died it's like a general day when everyone is going to celebrate life it was oh, so beautiful wow. yeah you, just... you've sold it to me I do actually really want to go <laughs> yeah it's very surreal have you taken anything from that that you kind of try and try and do at home then now yeah so I um I brought back loads of like little trinkets and bunting and stuff and I decided that it's something that I want to bring into my myself and my family like even if my family don't do it if I have a family going forward I was like I want to start doing this every year for day of the dead yeah um because it's just such a nice idea and like you can create a table at home and put some bright colors up and some bunting and have some flowers and eat their favorite food and drink their favorite drinks or watch their favorite films or music or whatever and just kind of like celebrate their life um I brought back little things of bunting and gave it to um my other let's talk about lost co-hosts and the people that are in my bereavement group through maggie's and just any of my other close friends that i know that um have lost people and i just tried to explain to them about what i'd seen and what i'd experienced and i said like this is something that we should be doing over here i think it's beautiful and it kind of you know what it's like when you have your like death anniversaries or whatever it's always quite a difficult thing to try and mm-hmm. work out how to what to do yeah so i kind of thought if it, everyone does it's just yeah beautiful. yeah no I love that I mean it, it's definitely something that I try and advise people to do when they say like oh it's Mother's Day Father's Day death anniversary birthday or whatever I always say like try and do something that they would have enjoyed like watching their favorite film eating their favorite yeah. food like having that connection with them but in an enjoyable way like don't just kind of like sit and look at photos and mourn them but just kind of enjoy doing something that they also would have been really happy to do yeah, I think you just need to do what you what you feel like doing that day. Because I think a lot of people, especially when I was at that Maggie's group, a lot of people had like the people's birthdays or Father's Day or Mother's Day or whatever it was. And there's a lot of pressure on like, right, what am I going to do? How am I going to do this? Yeah. Like, And I think a lot of the time it's like, you just have to do what makes you feel good. Yeah. Like my first Father's Day, like Father's Day and Mother's Day is so... Oh, gross. Like, yeah, it's so gross. <laughs> um and I just basically like, turned off all my social media and stuff I was like I can't mm. deal with this 
Um, and I just like got into the coziest pajamas that I had and made like a roast and uh, had some wine and just watched his favorite films that I'd never really got around to watching and pretty much just had a day of watching back to back films that he loves. And that's like what made me feel um, close to him. Yeah. Yeah. It's doing little things like I might not have wanted to do anything that day, but I just thought that's something kind of manageable and yeah, I think it changes from year to year, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. Yeah, and, and what I've learned is that the, the lead-up to these days is, like, 100 times worse than the actual day itself. Like, yeah, <laughs> always. I think you can feel it coming, though, like the pit of your stomach. Like, I, it was coming up to the, I think it was the three-month anniversary, which is weird because with my dad, it kind of went up to six months, and then it was every month I was like, oh, it's that day. It's that date yeah. again. And then after that, it was like six months, then it was a year, then it was 18 months. And it's kind of like just, um, I'm not counting it as much, but you kind of feel it. You just really and I remember I was in. You. I get that. Yeah, you feel like you have to. It's weird. And um, it was like a couple of days before, I think it was the three month anniversary. And I started feeling really like weird and just feeling a bit like sick all the time, just a bit funny. And I just kept thinking like, oh, it's because it's a full moon. <laughs> I just kept blaming it on the full moon the whole time. And everyone's like, why do you keep banging on about the full moon? I'm like, I don't know. That must just explain why I feel weird. And then I realized it was coming up to the anniversary. <laughs> yeah it, you do it subconsciously without even realizing mm, yeah no I agree with that I've just got two more two more questions which are all like kind of like hero questions that I always try and include <laughs> near the end of the podcast um which is do you think that it's changed the way that you go about your life and your attitude towards it uh yeah absolutely I feel like it can't it can't not really um I feel it's kind of I wrote a list actually that I'd quite like to like share at some point. Go but, for it. You can do um, it now if you want. Oh no, I don't have it with me. No, no. <laughs> I mean, at, at some point I will try and share it because I did, I just wrote it on my phone and it was like things I'd learned about grief and it was like at one month and then I went back to it after six months and I went back to it after a year and kind of like oh, added okay. what I changed. Yeah. I thought that was just something. But I just feel like it's it's a load of like, just <laughs> everything is the opposite. So you kind of feel like, compassion like you've never really felt before and like an empathy like you feel if someone else is going through something similar it becomes like almost your pain I think a lot of the time and like I really really feel like everything that other people are feeling to the extent it's just like oh this is just not productive (laughs) I can't get anything done because I'm worried about that person but then on the opposite side when someone comes to you and like whinges about something that is not important or is not like not not important because everyone's issues are important to them but if someone's whinging about like I don't know, the boyfriend said something stupid or like, you know, they've been to the shops and whatever and you just have no, yeah, you have no sympathy for it at all. Yeah. And I've just become quite like, <laughs> like, you know, when you just don't have much patience for it, <laughs> which is a... Uh, so yeah, many people say exactly the same thing, like... Yeah. <laughs> it was something that I heard in Griefcast as well. I think it was one of the first times I, like, I think it was the second episode and you have these like really dark thoughts in your head that... I was so glad someone else said it before I thought it and not even realized that I'd thought it yeah um and it was one of the comedians that was on it was saying that you sometimes you'll like interact with someone and they'll be such a shit human and you'll look at them and go like why are you alive (laughs) (laughs) and then you instantly feel really guilty because you're like oh my god I can't believe I thought that what was wrong with me (laughs) so um and I think also you have this kind of like I in the months after my dad died I was like just determined that I was going to do anything and everything that I wanted to do and I was just so not scared of anything like things that I might have been worried about doing before like none of it really seemed important I was like life's too short like this could happen to anyone Mm. but then at the same time um on the opposite side it just you do start worrying about everything a lot more as well because you're like what if that person dies and I know a lot of people talk about it but if someone doesn't answer the phone you're like oh well they're dead yeah (laughs) instantly I even I even do that with my dog honestly there are actually times when I've like got ready for bed got into bed and then I've been like no I need to go and say good night to her and I'll have to get up and like give her like a fuss and a cuddle before I put her back to bed yeah, yeah. Or something. <laughs> honestly like it stresses me out it really does yeah I don't really I was about to say I don't argue with people that's such a lie but I mean I just I don't I get really nervous about leaving things unresolved yeah now. yeah but also at the same time, I think I get like I found I don't know about you. I know you've got a boyfriend, but I found like dating and relationships really difficult. The boyfriend that I'm with now wasn't isn't the same boyfriend I was with my, when my mum died, and I actually like broke up with him like a month after she died because I was like I just I just can't like no, nope. yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult. But it is 
it's, it's so difficult to explain to people and to the person that you're with because yeah it's just um you find that yeah you find nobody gets it don't you until obviously you become part of one of these amazing grief groups yeah it's and also I think the the people that I had in my life at the time or before like pre people dying um I like love them now with like an intensity like I didn't think I could love them anymore but I'm just like my friends I'm so protective of and I would like do anything for them and I especially with the way they were with me during that kind of like the past year I'm just so incredibly grateful for them all um but then with new people it's just almost a bit like yeah like I do want to get to know you and get close to you but also you might die yeah (laughs) I'm not I'm not really keen to risk that (laughs) yeah exactly and also it goes back to that thing of um like small problems like not blowing up into big problems because you just don't have the energy so sometimes when you do have a little argument something will become really big and you're like I just literally can't I just don't care yeah <laughs> I, I just haven't got the patience for it anymore and I'd rather just yeah. I'd rather swallow my pride and resolve exactly. something than to like let yeah. things drag out for ages yeah you're like I know I started this argument but I don't have the energy to finish it now yeah so. <laughs> I'm done <laughs> Let's just <give> it a draw. <laughs> and I was gonna say the final question is what would you say to somebody else who is currently kind of like experiencing the same thing that you went through or has also recently lost their dad in similar circumstances um one of my, so my best friends who lost her mum said to me when my dad was ill and after he died she was like you just need to try and feel everything and at the time I was like, that's such a bullshit thing to say. Like, what does that mean? Of course I feel everything. Like all I am doing is feeling everything. Um, but it's just, it is just being kind to yourself and like allowing things to feel that the way that they're going to feel and not trying to like push it down or suppress it. Because actually what she said is we're quite similar. And she said, I didn't deal with this for a really long time. And it came back to bite me on the ass like three years later. So don't think that you can push it all down and carry on as normal. Yeah. If you need to cry or if you need to like shout or if you need to just be normal or like just, you know, have some time on your own, just allow yourself to do it. And I think it does teach yourself like how to be kind to yourself a bit more and just it allows you to be more in tune with yourself and knowing what you need, which is like really incredible. A lot of people don't know that about themselves. So you find yeah, out what I triggers think- you and you find out what kind of calms you, don't you? Yeah. And I think that is like the superpower of little things just not becoming important anymore. Like if you don't want to go out for drinks with people from work, it's okay to say that you don't want to do that. And it's kind of like you don't have the guilt around it anymore because you're like, no, I'm doing what I need to do. Yeah. And it's not it's not selfish. It's just being kind to yourself and just, yeah, I think that was very good advice that she gave me. But that will only make sense a few months into it, I think. (laughs) Yeah. Well, anybody can say anything to you like straight after you've lost some more and you can just like piss off. (laughs) <laughs> I yeah. am like drowning in my grief here. <laughs> and I think also the thing that I, I was really scared about after my dad died was um the feeling of like numbness because I think everyone always tells yeah. you that you're going to feel a certain way and you're going to have a burst of like crying and I was like I just didn't feel anything for like months because everything changes and it's just like you've seen what can happen and that can be pretty terrifying but um just just knowing that that won't be forever like it will like the numbness will go and then you'll be able to talk to people about it and when you don't feel that you can talk about it listening to stuff like listening to podcasts and reading all these amazing books and getting involved with like the different communities that are around like they're just incredible Mm. and and just uh like relishing the little moments of things that kind of cheer you up like my (laughs) my birthday was quite soon after uh, my dad died and um I don't know about you, like the first, my birthday's New Year's Eve as well. So New Year's Eve oh, is also like a little, yeah, exactly. And I went up to decide I was going to go and see my friends in Glasgow where I used to live. And I was on the train and I kind of had this thought, this was on New Year's Eve. And I thought, oh my God, this is the last year that he'll like have been alive in. And that's, mm-hmm. I don't know if you had that thought yeah. as well, but it's yeah. really weird. It feels, New Year's Eve, um, the first one is just like, every new year after that, I'm not going to lie to you, yeah. it's great. <laughs> No, I know, because, yeah, it's just, it's really strange. I don't know, it's like time's just a concept or whatever, but it's something in your head, it feels quite poignant. And um, I was in this, like, club, and at midnight they started playing Fat Man Scoop, <laughs> and I just burst into, like, hysterical tears. <laughs> I had to go outside, and at the time I'd been, like, chain-smoking, which is probably not very tactful when your dad's <laughs> just died of cancer, but that's what was, like, helping me at the time. And my, my friend came out, and I was, like, in hysterical tears, sitting outside, trying to, like, hyperventilating, trying to get some fresh air into my system whilst trying to roll the cigarette, which is <laughs> what I should have been doing. And he came out and said, are you okay? And because I was, like, hyperventilating, I had a filter in my mouth, and I managed to suck the filter oh down my throat. My and then, 
cough it back up again in that second and then just burst into like laughing like pissing myself <laughs> laughing and it's just those little weird surreal moments that you'll always remember you're just like yeah I was like in my worst place crying my eyes out but then two seconds later I was pissing myself laughing so yeah it doesn't it won't stay like that forever even if it does feel like it yeah very very good and strong advice there thank you <laughs> <laughs> apart from the chain circum part guys <laughs> I wouldn't recommend yeah <laughs> well crying at food was not a high in my life (laughs) (laughs) thank you so so much for coming on to the podcast and for sharing your story I know that it's not it's not you know the easiest thing to do um but if it's any consolation um the messages I get from people they say that this kind of thing you know it really does help and like you've talked about yourself kind of listening to other people's stories where they describe a feeling that you could that you also felt but couldn't explain to people it's not like oh my god they feel it too kind of moment so yeah I really yeah. I really appreciate it no thank you for having me on and um come to a let's talk about lost meetup as well yes yes I would we'll love that and so anyone else listening they're all over the country uh, all over the UK and they're popping up and if there isn't one where you live then start one it's Big not one. it's not scary as it sounds yeah yeah it's um it's not as much admin as you think either. You pretty much just choose a location and a date and then people will show up. So it's awesome. Yeah, it sounds pretty simple, actually. Maybe <laughs> I might just leave this and create my own like Cheshire vision. <laughs> <laughs> no, thank you very much. My absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of the Dead Prank Club podcast. I so hope that you've enjoyed it and you found some comfort in the stories that you've heard here today. As always, I would just like to remind you that neither myself nor any of the guests that come onto the show are healthcare professionals. Therefore, if you do find yourself struggling with your grief, I highly recommend that you seek out professional help, whether that be from your GP or from the numerous charities out there that are available to you. Please also remember that you can reach out to us at any time on Instagram at DPC Podcast, on Facebook at The Dead Parent Club, and you can email us at dbcpodcast at hotmail.com. Alternatively, you can check out our website where a resources page is also available at www.dpcpodcast.co.uk. Also, please don't hesitate to contact me if you want to get involved in the podcast in any way, whether that be coming onto the show or to write a blog for us as well if coming onto a podcast isn't your thing. Thank you so much once again for listening and we'll see you next week. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started 